Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. We're studying James chapter 4, verse 7, which says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Has that been true in your experience? Do you find that when you resist the devil, he runs for his life? Or do you find that when you resist him, all he does is crank up the pressure even more and come after you again and again? Why doesn't this promise seem to match our experience? So James is going to call us to draw near to God in a moment. But first, before we can draw near to God, there's something else we need to do. Look at verse 8. Resist the devil. Resist. James is telling us to do to the devil the exact same thing that God does to the proud, right? He resists the proud. We're supposed to resist the devil. And until we do that, we can't draw near to God. You can't draw near to God until you cut it off with the devil. When you, when you commit adultery and you want to get back with your spouse, first you have to break up with your lover, right? And you have to really break up. I mean, it has to be a decisive breakup before you can ever get back with your spouse. How many times do we try to draw near to God and a portion of our heart is still in love with the world? We're still loving that sin. We stopped doing it, but we still love it, and now we're trying to draw near to God, but we kind of love this, and we're just, we're divided. And, and James is saying, you can't do that. You gotta make, you gotta make a decisive break. Resist is an aggressive word. It's not a passive word. It's a, it's a, it says fight. James is in the context saying, stop fighting each other and start fighting the devil. Fight! And if we, Go to war with the devil. We'll win. That's the promise. He, he will flee. And the word flee is an amazing word. I looked it up. It always means to flee in fear or to run for safety. Like the devil will run for his life. You'll see his back and he's going to be taken off. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a great thought. But honestly, I have to admit, whenever I read that, my first impulse is to think, since when? I mean, honestly, in my experience, it seems like the harder I resist, the more he just turns up the heat, and I don't, I don't see him running away. And some of you may have experienced that, where you're, you're tempted with a sin, you fight, you're doing battle, you're resisting, resisting, resisting for hours, and then finally you cave in, and you're like, what happened? Why didn't he run away? my experience, it seems like I resist and he doesn't run away. Well, if the Bible promises that if I resist, he will flee, and he didn't flee, and the Bible's never wrong, then what does that leave me? Evidently, I wasn't really resisting the devil. Right? That's the only only conclusion. And the thing we need to realize is, It's possible to resist sin, to resist temptation, and not resist the devil himself. James, when he talks about resisting the devil, and I want to study the whole context of James, like what does James have in mind when he says resist the devil? What what does he mean? Is he mainly thinking resist temptation? It's interesting. I go back to his discussion. James has a whole discussion in chapter 1 on resisting temptation, and it's interesting. He never even mentions the devil as having a role in temptation. 
We know the devil does have a role, but from other passages. But James, that's not his. His thinking is broader than that. So the reader of James isn't going to automatically think, "Oh, fight against Satan means resist temptation." It's fighting against a person. A person. See, when we fall into sin, we need to understand that wasn't just some random impulse. That was, there, there, there was a person who led you step by step down a path that resulted in you committing that sin. How, how do you fight against the devil? You want to do, how, how do I deal with sin in my life? Well, you fight against the devil, you resist the devil. How do I do that? Step one is realizing he's a person. He's, he's an influence. And this person that led you down that path is a vicious, angry, evil, hateful, spiteful, Spiritual being, powerful spiritual being, who's determined to do you the greatest possible harm. He disguised himself as an angel of light, but but the reality is he hates, hates, hates you. His teeth are bared. He wants nothing but your destruction. And worse than that, he hates God and he's doing everything he can to fight against everything God's doing. And the question is, do you really want to cooperate with that? With, I mean, if you're being served some, some sinful delicacy on a platter, it would, it would help to, to look up and see who it is that's serving you that platter. And then we w- we'll wake up to the fact that, okay, this is a lot bigger issue than just, should, you know, do, am I going to do the right thing or the wrong thing? It is that, but it's also, Am I going to cooperate with a monster who's determined to destroy me? Do I really want to eat what he's serving up? Realize it's a person. 2 Timothy 2.26 tells us what happens when people don't resist the devil. You know what happens? Satan takes them captive to do his will. Resist him or be enslaved by him. There's no middle course. Say, okay, okay, I've come to grips with the fact that it's a person, it's Satan who's behind this temptation. I, I, I get that. Now what? Now what do I do? What do I actually do to make him run away in fear? Well, I think it's safe to say that nothing's going to make Satan run away in fear unless somehow we introduce God into the situation, right? Because uh, he's, he's the only one that can scare Satan, right? Satan's way more powerful than me. What am I going to do to Satan? I mean, I, he's not going to be afraid of me. So... So we've got to get God there. Uh, if we're going to make him flee, we're going to have to get some divine firepower into this thing. And yet, the command is directed to us, isn't it? It says there's something we're supposed to do. It doesn't say just wait for God to come scare Satan away. It says there's something we're supposed to do to unleash divine firepower and send Satan running. So what is it? What is it that we're supposed to do? What does James say in the context about the devil's work. When he says resist the devil, what would naturally come to the reader of, reader's mind if they're reading through James in this context? So that was my question. I'm reading through. I'm saying, okay, what does James say about the work of the devil? What does the devil do that I need to resist? Well, if you haven't been with us in recent weeks, uh, James has been making the point that all of our hostile speech, all of our fights and quarrels in chapter 3, chapter 4, all of that is coming from, it's all the result of us buying into the world's values, the world's perspectives, the world's attitudes, the world's way of thinking. In, in a word, worldliness. And James calls that earthly wisdom. Okay, 
earthly wisdom. And guess who the author of earthly wisdom happens to be? It's right there in chapter 3, verse 15. He says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Right? Comes right out of hell. That's... That's what Satan's activity is right here in the context. So when James says, resist the devil, that's what he's talking about. Resist that influence of the devil's ideas and his attitudes that are proliferated through earthly wisdom. Okay? So, so what we need to, if we're going to resist the devil, what we need to do is fight against earthly wisdom. Well, how do you fight against earthly wisdom? Uh, I'm just going to go way out on a limb and say heavenly wisdom, right? Fight against earthly wisdom with heavenly wisdom. And James tells us exactly how to do that, what that looks like. Just look at that. Look back at chapter 3, verse 14. He says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, verse 15, such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven. It's earthly and spiritual, demonic. So verse 17, but the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. That's how you fight back. That's how you fight the devil. You, that's what will make him run away. If you try to rebuke Satan and bind him and cast him out and gain control of him with all kinds of incantations and formulas and whatever and power encounters... You can do that stuff until you're blue in the face. He'll just laugh at you. But if you start showing humility and being a peacemaker and being considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit and all that, and you're doing that because you want to be on God's side and not on Satan's side, Satan will flee. It will take away his power. Satan is rebuffed by righteousness. He's repelled by repentance. He's stymied by submission to God. Submitting to God and resisting the devil. You can see there are two sides of the same coin, right? Verse 7, submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil. And that makes sense, right? Because, uh, I mean, if, if I have God in the driver's seat, I mean, if, 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 he's, if I'm a tool in God's hand, if I'm an arrow and God's the one pulling back the string, look out, Satan. Right? That's, a, that's bad news for Satan. If God's pulling back that string, some weapons are more dangerous than other weapons, but any weapon is dangerous if it's in the hands of someone who knows what he's doing, right? You think back to the old Bruce Lee movie, you know, in those movies, he could, Bruce Lee could beat up 20 guys with a wet noodle if he wanted to. I mean, that's how tough he was. He's just way tougher than everyone else. And so any weapon, he could just, he could just beat people up. That's a way to show superior strength. You use an inferior, weak instrument to defeat someone. That shows how strong you are. That's why God uses us, right? To show how strong he is. Speaking of movies, I saw I saw another scene. It reminds me of this scene I saw in another movie where where Sean Connery beat up this big uh, big guy in a bar uh, with his right thumb. He just used his thumb. He told the guy, "I'm only going to use my right thumb because my left thumb is way too powerful for you." And then he beat the guy up with his thumb. And and he's like, "What's the point of that?" Well, the point is he wanted to show the extent of his superiority over the other guy. That's what God does. He scares Satan away using the likes of us just to show how powerful he is. He'll do that if we submit to him, see? If we submit to him, if we become a tool in his hands. If I bow the knee, I stop resisting God, and I submit to what he's doing, and I become an instrument of his hand, that is lethal for Satan. 
So how do I send Satan running away? Start doing God's will. Next time Satan comes, starts coming on strong in your life, and you're doing battle, instead of just looking at the sin and just saying, I gotta say no, I gotta say no, I gotta say no, I gotta say no, I gotta, instead of that, think to yourself, okay, what is one thing I can do right now that I know for sure is God's will? How can I submit to God? How can I be used by God right now? Be a tool in His hand. Be a responsive car. How can I respond? I want to submit. That's what Satan's not going to be able to handle. Okay? So all of that is how you, how you counter earthly wisdom, demonic, satanic, earthly wisdom. It's through righteousness. Think of the kinds of spiritual battles you have frequently. Times when the devil always seems to get the better of you. In your imagination, picture yourself facing one of those moments of temptation and responding with true resistance. True resistance is not just white-knuckling it and trying to keep saying no. Resisting the devil in a way that makes him flee means embracing God's will wholeheartedly in that moment. Imagine yourself doing that in the face of the temptations you struggle with. What would that look like? Be as specific as you can. Father, it probably won't be long before my next temptation, whether it be a temptation to laziness, overindulgence, impurity, or anger. Right now, your will is beautiful to me, Lord. But in those moments of temptation, it seems like a threat like something that will rob me of my happiness. What insanity that is, Father. Give me clarity of mind when the next temptation comes to see things as they really are. Your will is no threat. The only threat is stepping outside of your will. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. How can I keep my way pure? By living according to your will. I seek you with all my heart, Lord. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your will. I will not neglect your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.